Journey. Man, Lake Worth, how are y'all doing today? I got to tell you, man, I've been back. This is like twice in a couple of weeks, so I'm feeling anointed by the Lord. Like, man, I'm excited that I get to be in the house today. We didn't have a tropical depression today. Come on, somebody. Who's excited to be in God's house? Some of y'all like, I wish it was, so I could have done church at home today, but I'm here. Speaking about church at home, come on, could you guys help me to welcome our Boynton campus? Come on, Boynton. And man, God has been moving in this place. We have people watching in this city, in this nation, and throughout different countries of this world to tune into what God is doing here. So help me to welcome the people that are tuned in from all the different places around the world. And so today, I was, I was actually here this week on campus, and, and a good friend of mine that I'm going to wink at actually reminded me, he said, um, Junior, we have a lot of new people here at Journey Church who maybe don't know your story, so would you mind sharing part of your story? And I said, well, I want to get to the message, but I'll, I'll take about a minute to share part of my story. So for those who don't know, uh, my name is Junior, and I came to Journey Church about nine and a half years ago. And when I came here, I had just got out of treatment for drugs and alcohol. I was dealing with depression, uh, suicide, uh, clearly drugs and alcohol, and uh, I was just a, a broken mess. And I remember coming here for the first time and I ran into this gentleman right here, Bob Ball, and he shook my hand and held on to it. And he took a genuine interest in me. And he said, son, if you come here three times, you're hooked. And uh, nine and a half years later. But, but, but the thing was that when I got here, he invited me to a small group. They started pouring into me. And then some of the other pastors started to kind of, you know, love on me. And here's what they did that I recommend you do, Journey. They loved me enough to push me outside of my comfort zone. Come on, sometimes we need to get outside of our comfort zone. I remember when they asked me to lead a group, I said no. Then he asked me again, I said, no, no, I'm too busy. Come on, anybody here too busy? We're just too busy. We're going to talk about that one today. It's a setup. Uh, but, but I'm too busy. I'm too busy, right? And then Matt Tumas is like, but I already signed you up. I'm like, how are you going to sign me up when I, I told? All right, fine, I'll do it. And it changed my life. Same with serving. I was too busy to serve, but serving changed my life. And see, years later, God brought me up to Charlotte, North Carolina for ministry training. I learned ministry. And then Pastor Scott and the team reached out to me from where I was in North Carolina and said, man, we'd love for you to be part of Journey Church full-time on our team, on our staff. And man, I've been able to be a pastor here ever since. And it's been an incredible blessing. And I'm also part of something called Recovery Church, where we're helping addicts and alcoholics find freedom from drug and alcohol addiction. Did you guys know that overdose is the number one cause of death for people under 50? Too many addicts are dying without knowing Jesus. And that was our passion. They need to know Jesus before they go, right? So we started planting churches, and today we have a little bit north of 30 recovery churches. Last week or so, we, plant, we planted one in Daytona, and this month we're planting one in Boca. So come on, God is on the move. Addicts are getting to know Jesus. And so... I hope I honored you with that. Okay, now we get to get to the message. So we're actually kicking off a brand new series called Rational 
lies. And I'm excited about this because over the next few weeks, we're going to look at some of these lies that we've been believing that are actually leading us in the wrong direction. And here's the thing about rational lies. You know, you know the craziest thing about them? They seem rational. They seem like the truth. But the problem is that they're actually leading you in a direction that is destroying you and could also be affecting your family. And see, my wonderful wife, who is a teacher, you guys get up for my beautiful wife up here. She is a teacher, and, and so, and she's super smart. She typically helps me write most of my messages. But, but so as a teacher, she said, June, you know what's interesting about the word rational? Is that it starts with the word ration. And ration means to take a portion of. And it hit me. That see, what the devil does is he takes a portion of the truth to formulate a lie to keep us in bondage. Come on, somebody. He takes a portion of the truth to formulate a lie to keep us in bondage. Listen, in case you fall asleep during my message, I need you to say this because I don't want you to forget it. Come on, Jordan, say this with me. He takes a portion of the truth to formulate a lie to keep us in bondage. Come on, that's how the devil gets us. He takes a portion of the truth to formulate his lies to keep us in bondage. And that's when Jesus steps on the scene. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says, see, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Come on, we're going to learn some truth today that's going to set us free. And I got to tell you guys, so when God asked me to teach, I got nervous because he asked me to teach about something I'm bad at. Like, you don't want to preach on the thing that you're not good at, right? I mean, like, he was just like, I want you to teach on this. I said, Lord, um, you know, we've got some heavy hitters in this series. We've got Pastor Scott Ball is going to be preaching in this series. We've got Pastor Josh Renee, Pastor Jonathan McQuitty. I said, Lord, are you sure you phoned the right one? Like, I might not be the one that you won't teach in this message. But here's what God said to me. He's like... Actually, son, where you feel most defective is where I'm most effective in your life because my power is made perfect in weakness. So see, where you feel defective today, I don't know where it is. You better surrender it to God because that's where he's going to be most effective in reaching his people and making a difference. I don't care what it is that you went through. Where you feel defective is where he's most effective when you surrender it to him. So let's get to my lie, okay? So my lie is this, that my list is more important than my rest. Guys, my, my to-do list is more important than my rest. I'm always going, always doing. I am very bad at resting. Any people in here bad at rest? Like, I am just always on the go, and I am bad at resting. God said, take a Sabbath. I said, I don't even know what that is. I am bad at resting. So the title of my message today is this, I'll rest when I get there. Turn to your neighbor, tell them, I'll rest when I get there. Come on, now turn to your second choice and ask them, are you there yet? Come on, are you there yet? Come on, because most of our lives, right, we say things like this, hey, I'll rest when I finish school, right? Hey, I'll rest when I make the team. As a matter of fact, I'll rest when I finish college. 
No, no, no. You know what? I'll rest when I finally get that job I want. Am I ministering to anybody right now? I'll rest when I get the promotion. That's when I'll rest. Okay, I know I said I would rest when I got the, but I'll rest when I make over $100,000 a year. That's when I'll rest, right? Or I'll rest when she finally marries me, right? So I can stop being who I'm pretending to be and be who I really am. I'm tired of having to impress her. I got to live up to my profile. And once she says yes, it's over. I can rest then. (laughs) Some people in here are like, come on, I've been trying to get married in this. Or have you ever said, I'll rest once I have kids? We got a lot of parents at Lake Worth, don't we? Come on, boy, and how y'all doing? <laughs> All right? Or better yet, when you know the truth, you say, I'll rest when they grow up. But who here knows they'll never grow up? They're going to be 38 coming right back to your house with their children, and you're going to have even more to worry about, right? Or, or we'll say, I'll rest when I'm retired, Right? I'll rest when I get there. You fill in the blank. I'll rest when I get there. And and then you finally get to retirement, and you're restless because you never learned how to rest. You never learned how to rest. And see, God showed me through the series. He said, Junior, the reason why it's never enough. Junior, the reason why you're always striving for more, the reason why it's never enough is because you feel like you're not enough. And as long as you feel like you're not enough, you're going to keep striving to be what I already say you are. Come on, some of us are striving to be who God already says that we are, and that's why we're not resting. But come on, who here knows that rest is not there? It is here and now in the presence of Jesus. Amen? Come on, you can rest Today, see, Hebrews 4.1 says this. It says, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands. Come on, his promise still stands. The enter, entering his rest still stands. Let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Come on, if there's anything you should be afraid of, it's falling short of being in God's presence and falling short of experiencing his rest. Come on, Journey. We need to fight for rest, right? We, we need to fight for, not only do we need to fight for it, we need to plan for rest. Come on, turn to your neighbor. Tell them you need to fight for it. The, the, yeah, I don't, I don't know if y'all have been in a fight before, but when you're about to fight, you got to say it with some more umph in your voice, okay? Tell them you need to fight for it. There you go. Tell your other neighbor, you need to plan for it. Because here's the thing, if you don't plan for it, then you are going to be worried the whole time and you won't be able to rest. You need to fight for rest and you need to plan for rest. And see, what God taught me through this season is he showed me that the reason why I'm afraid to rest is because I'm afraid that things will fall apart. Come on, anybody in here ever feel like if I rest, just the family, the business, the, if I rest, it will fall apart. And what God said to me is he's like, Junior, I never called you to hold everything together. That's my job. I called you to be obedient. Come on, I didn't call you to hold it together. I called you 
to be obedient. See, the other day I saw this sign and I loved it. It said, no Jesus, no peace. Have you guys ever seen that sign before? I 100% agree with that. But then it also followed up with, no Jesus, come on, no peace. And see, I, I was reading Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 the other day, and I love this, because Jesus says this, said, then Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is like, come to me, all who are weary. I gotta tell you guys, just like any good Christian, when I didn't really know the Bible, um, as I read stuff, I would kind of make up what I thought it meant, right? Come on, any Christians in here, like you read it, and you're like, I don't really understand. So, you know, when he said yoke in this, uh, so the way I understood it is this, I'm gonna rest, and when I wake up, he's gonna make me breakfast with some eggs and some yolk in it, and it's gonna be a light yolk because he knows I care about fitness, so it's gonna be some light. It's gonna, ooh, it's gonna be good to rest in his presence. Can I tell you, can we stop making up what we think God said? <laughs> and let's start asking and seeking what he said. It sounded good, don't hear me wrong, and it's not that different. But here's what it actually meant. So, so the word yoke, put it up there. Yoke is a wooden cross piece, mm, cross, fastened over the necks of two animals and attached to a plow or cart. A yoke allows two animals to do what? Share a load and pull together. So as I was reading this, Jesus says, here's the thing, my yoke is easy and my burden is like, he's saying, hey, when you're yoked to me, when you're connected to me, I'm going to move at a pace that you can handle. I'm going to stop so you can rest. And a lot of times, just like that footprints in the sand picture that you see, sometimes I'm just going to be carrying the load. And I'm even going to be carrying you. Right? Jesus says, come on, my, my, my yoke is easy. And my burden is like, I want you to yoke yourself, connect yourself to me. Because Journey Church, what if busy actually stood for being under Satan's yoke? Come on, what if busy meant being under Satan's yoke? And here's what I've learned about Satan is if he can't pull you back, he will push you forward. He will distract you with good things to distract you from God things. And what I'm trying to tell you is when the enemy is yoked to you, man, he is pulling you across that field. He is putting most of the burden on you and you feel tired, frustrated, angry. You snap at everybody around you and then you lose the things that tend to matter to you the most. Come on, be yoked to Jesus. Don't be yoked to Satan. Now, here's the thing, Journey Church. I got to be so clear on this. I'm not saying don't work hard. There's the person in here that don't work hard. See, see, mama, I told you what I'm doing is better, right? We done heard Mary and Martha. What she is doing is better. Well, listen, I got to be really clear. Somebody came to me and said, Junior, you're not called to be a human doing. You're called to be a human being. And I just want to say... That sounds good, but it don't live good. Come on, we need to get rid of some of these cliches that are robbing us. Here's what I realized. You better be a human doing and a human being. Because if you're not a human doing, you're going to be broke and you're going to be hungry. You feel what I'm trying to tell you? 
Those two things come with that. You're going to be both of them and not neither one of them is good, okay? So what I'm trying to tell you is you need to work hard and you need to rest hard. See, we pick on Martha all the time. Martha, Martha, Martha was so busy getting stuff ready and the food ready. But just remember this. Jesus came over for dinner, okay? Somebody had to cook. And Mary sure was not doing it, okay? And by the way, Mary was at Martha's house is all I'm saying. Come on. You feel what I tell you? So what I'm saying is thank you to the Marthas because otherwise she wouldn't have had no food for Jesus to come eat and no house to be sitting at his feet. What I'm saying is this. Jesus did not say, Martha, what you're doing is wrong. He said what Mary is doing is better. So here's the thing. We need to learn how to work hard, but we need to learn how to rest hard. And see, so today I want to look and break down one of my favorite psalms because I think the reason why we're not able to rest is because we forget who our father is. I think we have a memory issue. When we remember who our father is, it affects how we rest. Because here's what God showed me, and this actually blew my mind. I hope y'all ready for this. I was a, a bit offended at first when God showed me this, but I got over it. So what he showed me was this. He said, Junior, your inability to rest is actually directly correlated to your lack of faith in me. Come on, your inability to rest is actually directly correlated to your lack of faith. I'm like, that's not true, God. I trust you. He's like, then rest. See, what had happened was, um, if I don't do this, I don't know if it's going to get done. God says, you don't trust me enough to rest. That's the real issue. So today, we're going to break down Psalm 23, and we're going to remember who our Father is so we can actually rest. And I'm not just talking about, like, like sleep rest, okay? Because I don't think sleep necessarily, which we need, by the way, that's not the rest that I'm talking about. See, have you ever woken up, get to work? It's 8 o'clock in the morning. You're at the coffee maker. Somebody sees you and they say, hey, how are you doing? And you respond with, whew, I'm tired. You just woke up. I mean, you're tired and you're drinking coffee, right? So, so the rest I'm talking about is deeper than just sleep. So we're going to break down Psalm 23 together. And most of you guys have heard this psalm at funerals, weddings, or just in a rap song, Cool Yo rapped about it years ago. I, li- I used to listen to rap. Mm. I still listen to rap. Okay, so <laughs> Christian rap, Christian rap. Don't judge me. I've done this before. All right, Psalm 23 says this, the Lord is my shepherd. Come on, somebody. I shall not want. Some of y'all know this one by heart. He makes me Lie down. I need y'all to see this. He didn't say, I asked you to lie down. If you feel like it, lie down. He said, he makes me lie down. See, God knows his children, and he knows that if we don't lie down, we get fussy. Come on, any parents in the room, when you say, I got to put my child down for a nap, why you put them down? Because you know, if you don't put them down, they're going to get what? Fussy. Some of y'all ain't even angry at what's going on in your life. You just need a nap. The reason you've been so fussy has nothing to do with what's happening in your life. You just need a nap. And your father says he will make you lie down. You can either choose to lie down healthily or you're going to get sick and you're going to have to rest. One or the other, you're going to lie down. So he makes you lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Come on. He leads me in the path of righteousness 
for his name's sake. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you've heard this one, I will fear no evil for you are with me. See, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Come on, somebody. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come on, if we remember that. If we remember that. Some of y'all ain't clapping because you don't understand. I will break it down. Okay, so here we go. So number one, the Lord is my shepherd. The first thing I need you to know is this. The author David did not say the Lord is the shepherd. He said the Lord is my shepherd. It was personal, right? But another thing you need to know about the author, King David, is that King David was once a shepherd, but also a king. So I asked myself, why did he not say the Lord is my king? Why did he say the Lord is my shepherd? And see, what I realize is this. A king has to make decisions that impact the masses when a shepherd will leave the 99 and go after the one. Come on, he wanted you to know that your father in heaven is not making decisions based on just everybody. He is honed in on you. He cares about your bills. He cares about your kids. He cares about what you're walking through. He cares about the thing that you've been wanting that you're afraid to ask for because you don't want to seem greedy. God cares about what you care about. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Then he said, he makes me lie down. Come on, I love that one. He makes me lie down. And here's the interesting thing. So I was reading through the book of Genesis the other day, right? And how long did it take God to make creation? <laughs> Not a trick question, Journey Church. <laughs> I know it can be confusing. I know it can, so, so technically, he finished on the sixth day, but he rested on the seventh, and seven is the number of completion, right? So, so let me ask you this. When did God make man? On the sixth day. Come on, somebody paid attention in Bible study. Okay. Have you ever asked yourself why God didn't make us first? Like, why did he wait until the sixth day to make us instead of making us on the first day? Well, I once heard a pastor say, he's like, the reason why he waited till the sixth day is because had he made us on the first day, we would have been like, no, 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 the Lord, the sun is too bright. Put a dimmer on it. It hurts my skin. No, no, not enough stars. Put some more stars. No, God, that is not good. Green is not green enough. Lord, and God is just like, you know what? I'm going to create it, then invite them with their opinionated self. I always got an opinion about something. I'm going to wait till I'm done, and I'm going to bring you in. Now, that's not biblical. The pastor said that, and I liked it. That's why I went with it, right? <laughs> but here's the thing. So he made us on the sixth day. And then on the seventh day, what did he do? He rested. So, Journey, I need you to get this. Our very first day as human beings, God modeled rest. Come on. After he made us our very first full day, what did God do? He modeled rest. So, see, I have to believe that for us, Journey Church... It starts with rest. Come on. And as you read Psalm 23, he's like, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Right? He's saying, he, and then what does he do? The first action is he makes me lie down. It starts with rest. I believe if most of us would be more rested before we responded to text messages and got on the road, 
it would be a lot better. Okay, he makes me lie down. Then it says he lays me beside still waters. Come on, guys, there is power in still waters. Most of us, if we're honest, come on, we didn't move to Florida for the heat. And I'm not talking about the Miami heat. Some of y'all maybe love the Miami heat. I'm talking about the heat heat, right? We didn't move to Florida for the heat. We moved here sometimes for the beach and, 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 and the intercoastals and the peaceful waters. Water has a way of bringing peace to you and creating. So God is saying, not only am I your shepherd, not only am I going to make you rest, but I'm also going to create an environment of peace and tranquility. Then it says, he leads me in a path of righteousness. Guys, stop being so afraid of where you're going. The Lord, the good shepherd, is actually leading you in this journey. All he's saying to you is, buckle up. Buckle up. But y'all know how hard-headed we are. We're in the car, God says, buckle up. You're like, where are we going? <laughs> no, no, just, just buckle up. But where are we going? Just buckle up. Where are we going, Lord? Boy, will you just put that seatbelt on so we can go? All right? Some of us just need to buckle up. Why? Because when we buckle up, it shows that we're trusting him and where he's leading, right? He, he leads me in a path of righteousness. And you guys love this one. Yeah, though I walk through the valley, what he's saying is even in your depression, even in the situation you're walking through at work, even in the situation you've been praying about with your kids, God says that, I will be with you. I will walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. Here's what you need to know, Journey Church. There cannot be a shadow without light. Come on. There cannot be a shadow without light. My shadow's on this. You can't have it without light. What God is saying is I am so present with you even in the valley. And not only am I going to be present with you, but Journey, if you lean on me in that tension, in that time, in that darkness my rod and my staff will comfort you. you. You'll be able to find peace in the middle of a storm. How do you find peace in the middle of a storm? Focus on Jesus. Come on, y'all have seen the story. You've heard the stories of them being in the boat, right? Jesus is there. And Jesus can bring peace in the middle of a storm when you focus on him. Now, this next one I love. It says, you prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. Who knows what that means? That sounded confusing to me at first. I'm like, why my enemies? Why not my family, right? Well, here's the thing. In ancient East, when a host would invite you to his house for dinner or for a party, what that really meant is this, that the host would protect you by any means necessary. So if I invite you out of my house and you are sitting at my table, ain't nobody going to mess with you because I ain't got that kind of foolishness in my house, okay? So I am going to protect you by all means Necessary, And here's the thing, I'm merely human, right? God is the creator of all things. He is the great host. And what God is saying is this. He's like, here's the thing, I'm going to set a table. I'm going to take it a step further in the presence of your enemies. So even your enemies know that I am your host. I am your protector. I've got your back. You've got the great host that has your back. Here's the thing, I am the one, but I ain't the one. You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all going to get that. I am the one, the God Almighty. But I ain't the one you want to try. You know what I mean? They will not try God. Come on. Some of y'all just got it right now. He's like, oh, he is the one, but he ain't the one. Yeah, he, I am the one, but I ain't the one. Come on. You guys got a host. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I got a host. You don't want to try my host. God says, I will protect you in the presence of your enemies. He's like, you anoint my head with oil, 
my cup runneth over. What oil represents is blessing. God says, not only am I going to bless you, but it will run over. And he says this, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Some of us, honestly, as Christians, sometimes we might make some mistakes in life and feel like, I wonder if God has removed his blessing from me. I'm going through a hard time right now. I wonder if God just removed his blessing. He's like, I've anointed you with oil. It will run over. And surely my blessing will follow you. My goodness will follow you all the days of your life. And, and guys, I think the reason why God tells us this is because he sees how worried you are and how busy you are and how restless you are. That he's like, I need you to remember who I am. You can enter his rest anytime, son. You can enter his rest anytime, daughter. God said, here's the thing, stop running yourself ragged. I have created these rest stops for you called Sabbath so that you can take a break in the journey and you can rest in me. Amen? And, and here's the thing. So <clears throat> tomorrow, I'm back on another road trip and I'm heading up to Tennessee. Where are my road trippers in here? Y'all like to take road trips? Okay, there's a few of y'all. All right. <laughs> so we're heading up to Tennessee, and we're excited. But here's the thing. I got to tell y'all, like, I'm the type of person when I go on a road trip, like, I just like to get there, okay? Like, I just want to, like, if I could have it my way, my car would be like a nonstop flight. We ain't going to stop until we get there, right? Come on. I just want to get there. So before we leave, I turn to my kids, and I'm like, kids, go use the bathroom. And what do they say? I already went, or I don't need to go. I didn't ask you what you needed. I told you to go, right? That's kind of like the Lord in that first thing. He's like, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down. I didn't ask you if you wanted to lie down. I told you to go lie. I didn't ask you if you have to use the bathroom. I told you, go to the bathroom. And then they go and actually go, right? And then we start getting on the road and we start driving. And as we're driving, one of them says, dad, I need to use the bathroom. And I'm like, listen, man, we, we, we got to keep moving. We, got, I, I, we, can't, we can't stop. We can't stop. I'll typically look over at my wife and say, honey, do you have to go? Right? Not saying I don't care about the kids, but there's got to be at least two or more volunteers <laughs> before we stop. I will not stop for one. It will make no sense for me. I'm too, I got to get there. We paid for an Airbnb. I can't sit at rest stops. So we'll stop. He'll use the bathroom. We'll get back on the road, and we're on the road for a little bit longer. And then the next one now says, Dad, I need to use the bathroom. Boy, can you hold it? I mean, don't go in the car. I'm saying, can you hold it? Yeah, just hold it just a little bit longer, okay? Hold just a little bit longer. And they will, then we'll stop again. And then we'll get back on the road, and then they'll be like, Dad, I'm hungry. Guys, we, we have to get there. But I'm hungry. Well, Jesus fasted for 40 days. You could do four hours. I'm just saying. You ain't going to die. It's biblical, right? If he could do 40 days, you could at least, I might pull four days out of you or something. You ain't even that big, right? So finally, we stop. <laughs> and then we get back on the road. And something comes up, and they're, Dad, I got to use the bathroom again. Dad, I'm, guys, can we, just hold, I, can we just wait till we get there? Come on, why are we, guys, can we stop? And can we just wait? And so they're in the car. One of them's holding himself. The other one's hungry, right? So they are so uncomfortable, but I am so focused because we have to get 
there, right? And my family's just miserable sometimes in the car because I have to get there. And I realize, guys, how often is that true in our lives? That we're so focused on getting there that the people closest to us, our family, that are in this journey of life with us are all hurting and begging us to stop. They're asking us to slow down. But we're so focused on getting there that sometimes we won't pay attention to their needs because we're so focused on the mission. You know what the sad part is about getting there? You know what the sad part is? I'm only going to go and sit at the Airbnb anyway. I ain't got no real plans. I'm kind of rushing nowhere, to be honest. I just want to get there. But when I get there, I'm just going to sit. But see, I've been conditioned so much in my life to think that there's a race to get there. That sometimes in the journey of getting there, we can miss all the rest stops, all the Sabbaths, all of the moments that God had designed for us to enjoy. We blow right past them because we want to get to a place that chances are when we get there, all we're going to do is nothing. And see, my prayer for you, Journey Church, and my hope for you, Journey Church, is that you can be the type of people that will stop at rest stops to take pictures. Those guys annoy me sometimes. I'm like, I'm trying to use the bathroom. I'm in a rush. You're sitting here taking pictures. Ain't nothing special about no rest stop. Ain't no monuments here, right? (laughs) Nothing special. They're like, my family's special, and we're taking a picture together. Well, we're going to take a picture in the car while we're driving. Go ahead, honey, take the picture. (laughs) She ain't going to lie. My wife will tell you, she takes pictures while we're driving. (laughs) Everybody smile. I'm like, baby, I got to look at the road. Journey, can we be the people that will stop long enough to rest? The people most affected by our hurry to get there, a lot of times are the people that are closest to us. We hurt them the most. And at the end of our lives, we realize when we get there, there was nothing there. It was never about the there. It was about the journey. So, so how do we rest? Again, I'm really bad at this, so I asked God, what do you want me to do? You know what he told me to do? He said, Junior, I want you to disconnect from this for a day every week. I want you to put it in a drawer and don't worry, don't pay attention to it, and just let it be. And by the way, here's how I want you to start that day. I want you to pray Psalm 23 over you. I want you to start that day, get up out of bed, grab a cup of coffee, sit down, and I want you to pray Psalm 23 over you and say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down, come on, in green pastures provision. I'm telling you this, if you will wake up and once a week fight to take a day off. It ain't just going to happen. You got to fight for it. You got to plan for it. Just like success, it won't just happen. You need to fight for it. You need to plan for it. But if you will wake up on that day, whatever that day is, 
And you will start by praying Psalm 23 over yourself and put this machine that's supposed to make me more effective but makes me defective <laughs> because I'm constantly, right? Put it in a drawer for a day and don't pay attention to it. Your life, your journey will be a lot better. And here's the thing, Journey Church. I don't want to lie to you. I don't want you to have the wrong information, right? It sounds like the first day you do it, you're going to be like, ooh, this is awesome. No, it won't. You are so attached to this thing. You are addicted to this thing. You're going to have withdrawals. I was like, I wonder if somebody texted me or calling me. What, is go what am I missing right now? And so yesterday I tried it. And um, listen, we look for progress, not perfection, right? So I didn't start till noon, okay? I started at noon. <laughs> I wanted to do the whole day, but it's better than it was the week before. We started at noon. I put my phone in the drawer. My kids and I and my wife, we got to watch the movie Sonic 2. They love it. We planned to watch the movie Sing 2, but we just got so caught up in relaxing and making those little hot dogs with the, with the, with the croissant around it, whatever you call those things. Do you call what? Pigs in a blanket? That's a horrible name. Okay. <laughs> I'll keep calling them the hot dogs with the little croissant things around it. We had to have ice cream. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. The only reason I turned my phone back on at like 10 o'clock at night is because I realized I shut it off completely. And I'm like, man, if my alarm don't go off tomorrow and I don't show up the journey to preach, it's going to be a problem. But I got to tell you guys, it was wonderful. So my prayer for you, Journey Church, is this, is that you're going to fight for and plan for to take one day a week to disconnect from this and to be present with the Lord, be present with your family, be present with the things and the people that matter most. And it's going to be hard at first because I don't want you to come back to me and be like, I tried it, but I was overwhelmed. It was not peaceful. It will not be. Why? Because you don't know how to do it yet. But when you learn how to do it, it's going to refresh you. It's going to renew you. Man, it's going to change you from the inside out, taking that time to rest. So my prayer for you, Journey Church, is that you're going to slow down and enjoy these rest stops. Okay, let me pray for us. God, I thank you so much for every single person that's in this room. God, I thank you that you designed us to rest in your presence. God, we thank you that you sent Jesus to tell us how easy his yoke is and how we can rest in you. God, I pray for every single person right now that's overwhelmed, every single person right now, that every person that's asked them how you're doing, they said, I am busy being under Satan's yoke. God, I pray that over the next few days, over the next few months, that as people ask us, how are you doing? We'll say other things. I don't know what that thing is. Good, maybe. Fine. Blessed and highly favored. I have time. Whatever that statement is, God, I pray that as they get there, that you would bring them peace, and that you would restore their soul. 
In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much.